0: You are listening to Waffle the Bite Size Podcast with Paul Jenkins, first broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 19th of April 2020. This week, Paul talks drama, children's literature, and writing for Doctor Who with award-winning author, Joe Cottrell. 104.7 Rossendale.
1: Paul Jenkins here on the Waffle Hour. Welcome to The Weekend Wind Down. And we, as ever, we are speaking to another brilliant author, presenter, writer, poet, whoever we can get our hands on. And this week we are blessed uh, because this lady has written untold amounts of books, has got so many different strings to her bow, and we could quite frankly have talked for three quarters of an hour, an hour. We only had half an hour's segment to be able to fill. Uh, I'm really hoping at some point or another we can get her back because we've got so much else to talk about i'm going to leave you in her capable hands this is joe Cottrell. welcome back to 104.7 rossendale radio it's paul jenkins here with the weekend wind down and on the end of the line i should have technology willing joe Cottrell. are you there
0: uh, hello i am here
1: excellent uh, as i mentioned before joe we have been bounced off speakers and through phones and ipads and all sorts of other things and probably a couple of satellites as well thrown in for good measure
0: You're a technological genius.
1: Well, possibly, somebody is. Uh, And and you're calling (laughs) us from Oxfordshire, is that right?
0: That's right. I am calling from uh, Kidlington, which is uh, apparently the largest village in the country. Uh, It should really be called a town. It's too big for a village, but no, we proudly cling on to the the title of village it's just north of oxford
1: well we're not very far from ramsbottom which uh, my, my uh, one of my uh, pieces is about poems from village town because they constantly have that debate apparently do you have a market <laughs> this is this is the big the big thing if you have a market then you're a town
0: oh <gasps> really yeah we do, we do have a market uh, it's so not very you, big to you, be fair it's only about eight
1: stalls <laughs> you've swung into dark territory you see <laughs> you can go back and cause a storm <laughs>
0: oh no oh no perhaps i shouldn't admit that i might get into trouble
1: (laughs) that's it it's uh, it's on record now Uh, so (laughs) people of kidlington watch out we're coming to find you uh now now joe is uh a, an author uh you've written over 30 novels which is unbelievable to have that to that have that kind of uh, uh sort of bank of work behind you uh, but you've also uh, involved in all sorts of things and you're an artist and you you're creative and uh, I, I honestly don't know where to start and before all of that uh you you were a teacher before that that all happened so
0: well i before even all that, I yeah. was an actor. That's where I started.
1: Right. So, how how does this sort of journey is, is it simply a creative journey of, of one project comes up and it leads on to another?
0: Sort of. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm glad we're in lockdown because clearly we've got, you know, several weeks to fill. So I could tell you my stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'll try and give you the potted version. That's right. um, so at 13, I decided I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to university and did drama. And then I, I went into the theatre And because I, um, I, I, did, I had musical skills as well, played lots of instruments. I wrote music and I'd also been uh, to dance classes for years. So it was what they, I'm not sure i was what they would call a triple threat, um, uh, but yes. I covered... I covered all three areas to a reasonable standard, um which meant that i was um i found quite a few jobs in theatre and education um and in summer Shakespeare um where the the tours tend to be outside and the actors all have to be able to sing and play instruments mm-hmm. um, so it was quite um it was a fantastic time. Um, I did that for about five years um but i in the end i just um acting is a very odd job in that there's almost no career progression without sudden lucky breaks and you know you can have a lucky break and then not have another one so every time you finish a job you start from the beginning again and i i got really tired of of that and feeling that i was having to prove myself over and over and over again
1: it's Um, it's a very tricky thing as well in terms of the hours because you sometimes you'll be working on a tour that might be a school's tour so it's daytimes but then others you maybe if you're working in a theater you'll be doing a whole run of nights and there's no there's no pattern there is there
0: no no there isn't um and I also found it really difficult my cousin I can remember saying to me um that she was getting married um and I was like oh that's fantastic and she's like yeah uh, we've set the date it's in nine months time so keep the date free and I was like I can't (laughs) because it was. You know, and, it, and actually at the time she got married on a Saturday and it was um, at the time I was in a show that uh, had three performances that day in Salisbury and she was getting married in the Lake District. And she said, but but can't you just get someone else? Haven't you got an understudy? And I was like, well, no, it doesn't.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a small budget. They can barely afford
0: us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, things like that were really hard. And of course, the money is is terrible. Mm. Um, and you never you can't really plan anything ahead. So in the end, I thought, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. Um, and I had started writing stories on the side in between my acting jobs, mm-hmm. sort of to stop myself going mad, because I'm, I'm one of those people who has to have something on the go. Um, it doesn't really matter what it is. As long as it's creative, whether it's painting or crafting or making something or sewing or, you know, I have to be doing things. Um, And so in between the acting jobs, I started writing stories and sending them off to publishers um, and was starting to get quite addicted to that in a way. Yeah. So I thought what I really need is the sort of job where I can uh, work for a few days and then write for the rest (laughs) of the week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... It was it was absolutely ideal. And I'd also done some work with adults with learning difficulties. I'd worked with kids running workshops at the weekends for stage school type things. Mm. So I thought, you know what, maybe maybe I should go into teaching. So I got a job as a support assistant for a couple of years in London. And then when I moved back to Oxfordshire I um I took a post as a part time English teacher at a secondary school in Oxford. And I absolutely loved it. It was I was really lucky in that it was because it was an independent school school Mm. i was pretty much left to my own devices in terms of how i taught right Um, as long as my students were getting the right kind of results then it didn't really matter how i structured my lessons
1: so So you can set the journey of how they got there but it was very much yeah
0: yeah yeah. i i I was given an enormous amount of freedom really and i loved it um and i i really um i would go back to that um you know if any of the jobs that i would go back to i would go back to teaching as long as it was in that kind of environment (laughs) i'm not I'm not very good at being told how to do things all the time. Um, I like being given um, an outcome. This is what we want you to achieve, but I'd like you know people then to let me figure it out out for myself
1: yeah i don't think the national curriculum and the uh, the way that things are structured at the moment i think any teacher will tell you there's not a lot of creativity left in the curriculum mm, at the moment
0: no no awful shame anyway that's a different soapbox <laughs> i'm sure we could stand on for a long time
1: <laughs> that's for my, my um, next my next political hour that we'll work on, on Rossendale, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> excellent <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, so alongside that, I started to get a few books published, which is very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And as, as I'm sure you and many of your listeners will know, uh, writers do not, on the whole, make a lot of money. So I stayed in my teaching job for quite some time. And then I landed a contract with Random House, who wanted six books of a new series. Mm. And because of the way they wanted them, um, i.e. quite quickly, <laughs> um, I, um, I just couldn't stay in my teaching job and right there just weren't going to be enough hours in the day so um so I quit teaching and that was at the end of 2009 so um and that uh, yeah. that's
1: going to bring us very neatly onto to uh, to some of your books actually that we we'll, we'll start talking about in the in the second section of the interview if that's all right because we've I've, I've got a couple of your yeah, of books course. here which we can have a a, a, a flick through. Um but, uh, but before we do that we're coming up to a quick musical break. Uh, now you've chosen uh three songs and you have very specifically said to me that, that you want them in a in a precise order. So I'm assuming there's a that's story right. and a narrative <laughs> that's going through here. Um <laughs> now we're starting with Mike and the Mechanics.
0: Yes. So um, when our, my brother and I were young, uh, we, didn't, we didn't have pop music on in the house. Uh, my parents listened to Radio 4 and to Radio 3, so it was a lot of classical music. And because we both played instruments, we were in orchestras, So we were, and he was in a, um, a choir, um, we were surrounded by a lot of uh, choral and instrumental music and really not pop at all. And then I can remember um, uh, buying, I think I bought him. The, the Mike and the Mechanics album for his birthday one year. And I can remember listening to Silent Running and thinking it was such a great song. I, I loved... Um, songs that tell a story, mm. and this is—I mean, it's quite bleak. This one. I mean, Silent Running is awful. I was going to say know, you think of some of those. And...
1: I mean, The Living Years is a bleak song, but again, tells a story, and you know, it's those. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just—I it really gripped me. This song. It's got a great tune and a great vibe to it, and and it's quite nostalgic for me, as I think it was one of the very first pop songs that I really got got into.
1: Well, here we go. Here's Silent Running. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. This is the Waffle Segment. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. It's Paul Jenkins here, and I'm speaking to Joe Cottrell, who is down in Oxfordshire. Welcome back, Joe. Hello. <laughs> thank you uh now we've uh, we were starting to touch upon your your books and obviously we've been through your your acting in your and your teaching career and then and then the, the books started to to really take off um now yes. i've got a copy of a couple of your books here one of which i've finished and one of which i'm halfway through i've got jelly and a library of lemons in front of me um and the one thing that struck me from reading both of them is that they're, they're both written from a child's perspective um now wh- is that something that you tend to do in your writing is it do you, do you focus on that in particular
0: Uh, well I think um, if you're writing for children um, then usually you write the book from the child's perspective Um, uh, it's children I mean it's possible to write it from an adult perspective and sometimes that can work really well in authorial voice like uh, the Lemony Snicket book for example um, which are very clearly an adult voice telling a story but and I, I think um the trend has been gradually over the last or oh, I don't know 20 years or so mm. that that um, it's more about the putting the voice uh, giving the voice to the children um and so yeah I tend to because I want the readers to identify with the characters uh, and so they need to feel that they know them they need to feel that they're sympathetic towards they they've been in those situations they've had those kind of conversations. Um, and you can, um, if if you are not very careful about an adult voice, it can feel as though you're kind of preaching to the kids or, or sort of trying to educate them or something. Yeah. Um, so it's it's actually I find it's much easier to get messages across, like being nice to people and <laughs> judging and you know inclusivity and all those kind of things. Um, it's much easier to get those messages across if if they uh, if the realisations come from the characters themselves so um,
1: I, I find that you get much more emotionally invested th- if you're through the characters it's a very different style than uh matilda met miss honey and matilda met the Trunchbull. Yes, this is what happened yes it, it's not a storytelling this is a this is an experience we're having with the characters yes
0: definitely and i think i think that's quite a clear um difference between classic literature and much more modern books
1: mm um so now with this I know i've I've noticed as well these are um because this is Piccadilly I think is is your is your publisher that's uh that's working with these I've got a library of lemons and jelly and I think there's a storm of strawberries uh, I've seen is it right, uh, yeah now w- were you going through an alliterative phase when you started writing these <laughs> yeah
0: working my way through the fruit bowl <laughs> um yeah I am um, so Library of Lemons came first and actually the title came first mm. before I wrote the book, which is quite unusual for me. Normally I have an idea of the story and I write the book first and then I have to come up with a title that fits, which is usually the hard bit. <laughs> um, but with the Library of Lemons, I, I want to do something about libraries. I, I feel very strongly that children should have access, well, everybody should have access to libraries. Mm. And I was feeling very political at the time as well um what with so many libraries closing and I so I wanted to do a book that had library in the title hmm. and I was sort of playing around with titles you know as we do when we're playing with words and I was going oh library of mysteries <laughs> library of shadows and I was like oh god I always so sound a bit sort of obvious <laughs> and you know um, and, and fantasy as well, which I don't really write on the whole, not not very often. Mm. Um, but I do like alliteration. Um, and, and so I was thinking of Library of L, what starts with L. And, and as soon as I thought of Lemons, it was really weird. It was almost like I knew exactly what the story was going to be about. I think um, it's... It, it, it yeah. sort of popped into my head. I went, oh, Library of Lemons. And I suddenly went, oh! of course because there can be the scene with
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i think as well i was Uh, gonna say without wishing to spoil the story too much because i am only on chapter 23 but um from from what i can tell from the characters involved um, i think as well the choice of the lemon as as a as, as the fruit that you go with it's not the, the sweet it's slightly soured and i think yes. that's that's as well it's not the obvious choice if you were going for a, a, a you know a fruit to make a sweet and sickly story it's not that and yes. it's, it's quite it's got no. that kind of tinge of you know sadness around the edge of the story yes which, um yes it's i mean it's a very
0: um a lot of adults who've read it said they um have of all my books they've really connected with this one partly because um the the as you know the protagonist is Calypso who's 10 mm. and um she lives alone with her father just you know um her mother has died a few years previously and they're very isolated from other people mm. um and it's it's come about because the father um just has this this grief that he can't express he's not a very emotional person so he withdraws into himself um, and I think a lot of the adults who've read the book um, have have really connected with the dad um, and what he's going through and of course the kids have all gone oh but she just needs a friend yeah. and, and so they 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 really like the part of the story where she discovers that there's more to life than just sitting on your own reading books and not that that's
1: bad, no, that's a bad thing. We, all,
0: <laughs> we all love reading books um, and and she does that in the book she, but she she kind of reads books instead of talking to people and instead of making friends. Um, and then she finds a friend who also loves reading books and so they bond through that, which is kind of the best sort of relationship they could have had. Um, so I think um, for a lot of people that it's a very, it's quite a deep, you can read a lot into it. Mm. Um, but when you're younger, you don't have to, I mean, I've, I've had um, kids of seven say that they've really loved it. Um, and what they like is the friendship aspect. Um, and then I mean, i've they, had they adults really come to me early. sobbing
1: <laughs> they connect really early on just through simple word games don't they, they you know they, they, they yes. happen to find something in class that they're, they're they're into together and then that leads them on to talking about books and and that book talk is is, is obviously really important for children and then i'm just i'm yes. uh, just re- moving on to to jelly which is uh, which uh, one of your your latest books um yep. and in, and in jelly there's that that kind of uh, that step even further in that the the character creates poetry which is in the story yes uh now yes. That's, that's got another level to it in that you're then taking on the perspective of somebody else and then creating something on behalf of somebody else that was that yes. must have been a straight. did the poems come first in that book um
0: no the mm. poems i think i just No, I... What did I do? I think I wrote a... I can't really remember now. I think I wrote um, several poems as and when they occurred to me. And then as I was writing the manuscript, it would be clear that there was a poem that was needed for a particular moment. So I would have a think about that. But actually, I really enjoyed writing those poems, which was funny because... I am not. I have. To, I'm really sorry. You're going to hate me for this. I'm not a big fan of poetry. It's not something that's been part.
1: Joe Cottrell, of everybody. <laughs> uh, <she's>, uh, <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you.
0: <laughs> that's it. Cut kind it of short. There you it. go. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, but growing up, I, I mean, I liked silly nonsense poems. Um, but and I can remember enjoying some poetry at A level. But it's not something that I've ever read. Um, by myself for pleasure um, and and I haven't really written much either and I thought when this book came you know then the concept came to me and I was like oh mm, she kind of needs to be able to but being able to write the poems as if I were an 11 year old girl mm. um, really it was very liberating. I didn't feel that I had to make them you know scan properly all the time or, yep. or um, be incredibly profound or clever. Uh, I just thought, you know, if I were eleven, this is how the, the sort of thing I might write and and that was and so I really enjoyed it. And at the time I was going through um a very difficult time personally. And I actually, found it really cathartic writing the poems, especially the angry ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, as we all did when we were all thirteen and fourteen years old and writing our exactly, teenage exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's quite a lot of kids who go through a sort of angsty phase um, of of writing. Oh, I did write a really terrible poem once. I was, I was very. Um, uh, pretentious from time to time, and I can I, I have a poem that I wrote when I was about twelve or thirteen, in iambic pentameter.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, but I tell you what, Joe, we're gonna we're just gonna very quickly we've got to come up to uh, to to another music break quickly. Uh, yes. So maybe we'll we'll have a quick chat about that after the, after we played a bit of Bette Midler. We have got the rose coming.
0: It's lovely. Uh,
1: okay. Do you want to do you want to why 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 the rose is quite important? okay? Uh, yes. Yeah. So um
0: I um this is a really really simple song. Mm. It's the same. Uh, melody three times over um, with added layers of harmony and I one of the things that I really value in life is clarity and uh, simplicity Um, which I I think is partly why I really like um, telling stories for children because it's all about getting the messages you have to be really clear about what you're saying Um, in order to make it accessible Um, and and this is why i sometimes i really can't stand the news because it's it's such double speak people are not clear about things and this song is just very simple it's a beautiful melody um and it's it's structurally incredibly simple
1: and this is the rose welcome back here's the third part of our interview with joe cottrell you're listening to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins here with the final part of our weekend wind down waffle segment. Uh, I've got Joe Costerall on the line with me, uh, and as we come up to uh, the final part of this interview, I'd, I'd love to pick your brains about a, a recent project that you've been working on. Uh, now, you've you've had uh, you've had a Doctor Who piece of fiction published, haven't you? <laughs> i have (laughs) einstein and the doctor was part of start the star tales collection how on earth did did you get involved in that
0: well I'm um, it's it's I'm afraid it's disappointingly ordinary um, <laughs> I know I know the editor
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's literally who you know there you go there's the pundum. literally
0: <laughs> who you know yes I'm afraid so um so uh, the the commissioning editor on the doctor who books at the moment is a guy called Steve Cole mm-hmm. who a lot of people um, with kids will know his astrasaurs series he's also written for young James bond I mean he's incredibly prolific. Um, But he's also um, been heavily involved in Doctor Who for many years. And um and he he was putting together some new anthologies um and he wanted to bring in new writers. Um and we've been friends for ages and he just said, listen, do you um do you fancy having a go at a Doctor Who story? And I just went
1: hello <laughs> <laughs> yes yes please. thank you very much i'd like to go to comic-con for the rest of my life
0: <laughs> uh, i haven't been invited but oh, then no. it's all, they've all been cancelled this year anyway. well this
1: is true um, I, I i should imagine that that this is going to be something that's going to be, become part of your life now you're part of the, that world
0: i don't well i don't know i mean i'd love i i do i really really enjoyed writing the story um he said i said right okay so what's what's the brief and he said well Star Tales is going to be based on Jodie Whittaker's Doctor because she's she does an enormous amount of name-dropping yeah. um, in the first series about all the famous people she's met through history. And he was like, so we're going to try and um, bring together some stories about the Doctor meeting those people. Mm-hmm. And um, so he sent me over a list of the famous people that, that were, you know, possibilities for stories. And he said to me, I, you know, I thought maybe you would like, like to do Audrey Hepburn or mm. something. <laughs> Um, and I said, oh, well, yeah. Um, I said, but actually, I've just finished writing a book for um, OUP Education um, call, uh, about um, a girl who's really into science. And I'd done a lot of research on Einstein's mm. theory of special <laughs> relativity at the time. And I said, so, uh, and Einstein was on the list. I was like, can I do Einstein? I think he was a bit surprised because I think he thought I wanted to do I would want to do one of the women. I was like, mm. no, 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 I'd, I'd actually really like to write Einstein. Yeah. So um so yes I had to come up with the the basic um plot of the story which I mean, I, I hold my hands up here. I have watched Doctor Who for many years since Russell T. Davis brought it back, mm-hmm. but I wasn't a fan of the um, early series particularly. Yeah. found them too scary as a child.
1: It was. We lost. were all hiding behind the sofa. I did. Colin, exactly- <laughs> Colin Baker's <laughs> D- Doctor Who, honestly, I couldn't watch it. I remember being around my nan's on a, Sunday, on a Saturday night and it being on, and I, I literally having to hide behind the sofa because it, it, it was just too scary.
0: <laughs> Even just hearing the music was like, oh, no. <laughs> um so, so um uh, so there was that kind of weight of expectation of you know there's this whole world that I'm venturing into and who am I to do this sort of thing but also I I don't really write sci-fi on the whole mm. um and I've written very little fantasy so just, just trying to come up with a story with a plot <laughs> I was was actually quite daunting, and writing the first draft was was quite terrifying. And I sent it in to Steve, and he he read it, and he said, "Hmm," he said, "It's, it's you know, it's nice, it's going in the <laughs> right direction, you know." And I was like, "Yeah." Okay. Um, but he he was very clear that um, because I, I think I was trying to be some kind of Doctor Who writes it in what I imagined in my head. It should be like he said. Why are you trying to write like someone else? Mm. Uh, How would Joe Cutterill write this? I I want you to write it in your own style. And I was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then the second draft was just blissful. Mm. um, And I really enjoyed it. So it's set in Bern at the turn of the century. And um, it's between, it's about Albert, um, who is engaged to um, Mileva uh, marriage at the time, and they were living in Bern. And um, I have added in... Ghostly apparitions and alien starfish and <laughs> starfish. Um, yeah, and ghostly blood. It was great. I loved I, it. I and, think... and I did a lot of research on, on Google Earth about how you get to various places, you know, so I could make sure that it was accurate.
1: <laughs> now that's I'd say that's that's quite a cunning I think because one of the, the questions I was going to ask you is about how you with with something as immense as Doctor Who, there is bound to be you know, being yeah. in canon with the rest of the story, you, you it must be yeah. so difficult even for the writers now to 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 make a new storyline and somebody will come back and go well actually patrick Troughton's doctor who in 1960 blah 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 would have n- not done that yeah. and then that must that's a huge thing but I should, I should imagine having the freedom to say you know what there are alien starfish and you've not come up with those so far <laughs> that must be yeah cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i mean i didn't have any shortage of ideas and the, and as for the canon stuff um, I trusted that to Steve because he has an encyclopedic knowledge mm. of dr who and so he um, I, I I trusted that if I wrote something into the story that, that was glaringly obvious that didn't fit um, then he would take that out um, and he would let me know and he um, you know he would suggest ways around it um, and things like that so so I didn't really I tried not to think about that too much
1: it's uh, it's one of, it's always I think. Uh, when, particularly when you've got such a large franchise like that. I always imagine the Marvel yes. Universe, the studios, must have one giant wall somewhere where it's all connected up with pieces of string about who's spoken to who when and what happened in which universe at yes. which time.
0: And there are too many characters. That's the other thing. I mean, this story um, was, uh, Steve said, it's you know supposed to be about 8,000 words. Mm. Um, oh, so I think he said between five and 8,000 <laughs> But there are three companions, yes. and they all had to feature in the story. So that's four main characters plus Albert Einstein. So that's five main characters
1: plus alien plus starfish, his
0: fiance, you know, <laughs> plus aliens. And it's like, well, um, yeah, my story ended up being eleven <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> thousand because I just I couldn't make it any shorter. Um, there were just too many people to move around
1: <laughs> well it sounds like you've done an absolutely amazing job with it uh, and uh, so we can look out for for star tales and and einstein the doctor is in that collection yeah
0: yes it is yes That's and fun. there are five other really fantastic stories in there um also including steve's own which is about harry houdini
1: oh right there you go i should imagine the doctor's very good at uh, losing herself <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> joe it's been wonderful talking to you we're, we're coming up to your final music choice now you've you've chosen shut shut up and dance uh by walk the moon uh is there, yes. is there, is there any particular reason that, there, other than this we're finishing so therefore we need to shut up is that, <laughs> that is, is that is that the reason uh, i
0: hadn't thought of that <laughs> um no 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 it's just um i find this song just utterly joyful um it's it's a really great sing-along though i mean if you actually look at the lyrics of the verses it makes uh, it doesn't really make much sense fair enough it's really (laughs) odd But the the feel of the song, the chorus, is just so catchy and easy and fun. And whenever it comes on the radio, it always makes me smile and I always turn it up. So, yeah, I wanted to end with something really uplifting and fun.
1: Joe Cotterall, it's been an absolute pleasure and we'll we'll speak to you all again very soon. Thank you very much. Here's Walk the Moon. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. And so we come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, and of course, my thanks go to Jo Cottrell for spending the time. Uh, we honestly could have chatted for hours about her work and her career and all the various different jobs she's done over the years. Uh, and every single one of them, it sounds as if there's a, a story to tell. I'm really hoping we can get Joe back on the show at some point or another. And I can also report that since we did that podcast, I have finished reading A Library of Lemons and yes, indeed, it did make me cry. Uh, I can thoroughly recommend both that and uh, and the other book that i've read of her is jelly which is absolutely brilliant uh my thanks again go to everybody involved with the making of waffle the bite-sized podcast to melanie kemp and lee ball for their production uh, and for our friends at Rossendale radio for allowing us to broadcast in the first place you keep safe and we will see you very very soon with a brand new guest